0: Please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Psalm 2. There are four voices, by the way. The first voice you're going to hear are the nations. The nations are quoted 175 times in the scripture. It means pagan or heathen nations that don't embrace God. They don't recognize God. The The second voice you'll hear is the voice of God the Father. The third voice you're going to hear is God the Son, and the final voice you're going to hear is God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is reflected here in this psalm. The apostles uh, accredited the psalm to David, and I'll show you that in Acts chapter 4 in a moment, because they actually quote that psalm in Acts chapter 4. Let me begin reading. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. By the way, the term ruler means religious leader. So you have political leaders and religious leaders plotting together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords or their restraints from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, not a laugh of humor, but one of derision. The scripture says the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, which means reverence and respect, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Now, while you're standing, I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. Acts chapter 4, where the apostles quote this, this psalm They've just been in prison and released after having been beaten. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. By the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that they can destroy the Roman Empire. No. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness, conviction. They believed it. They lived it. That's our passage. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Prepare our hearts to receive. We love you. Minister to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, please be seated. As the passage begins, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Vain, vain means empty. Vain means void of substance. Vain means chaff that the wind blows away. It's not truth, it's just empty of promise And empty of purpose and empty of power It's the thing that you cast away You remain with the wheat And then the chaff blows away It has no purpose That's vain And yet they plot these vain things They endeavor together to establish these vain things These empty things It talks about the scriptures where You know, we we use this term Heavy in the old olden days In the 70s I think it was 60s, man that's heavy that means it had weight, it had substance, it was something you could stand upon. And, and, and with that weight and that substance, to stand upon it meant that it wasn't void of, of substance. And yet, the scriptures declare that what these people are doing is vain and empty. You see, there's truth. Whether you embrace it or not, there are absolutes. And you can say, I don't believe in absolutes. And I've said this often. Do you believe that absolutely? Even the logic of that contradicts you. You, you, you can't argue that. You have no argument. You can argue over, over a, a child in the womb being a baby. I don't even have to use scripture. Embryologists settled science declares that that's a human being. The egg and the the sperm meet and creates a zygote and has a DNA and it is a human being. It's an embryo. Now you declare it not to be a viable human being and your argument is the size and the level of development, the environment and the degree of dependency. And I say to you, 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 your, your argument is void of substance. You say size, does that mean a smaller person is less valuable than a larger person? You say the level of development, does that mean an adolescent is less valuable than a fully grown adult? You say environment, Am I less valuable here than I am in Uganda, or vice versa? You say it's its degree of dependency. It's dependent on its mother. I say to you, does that mean someone in our congregation who's dependent on oxygen or insulin is less valuable than you are? the answer is no. I don't need the scriptures to defend that. Now, the scriptures say that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in our mother's womb. Before you were born, I knew you. When Elizabeth passed by Mary, John the Baptist leapt in the womb. And the, the baby was called John, and the baby in Mary's womb was called Jesus. They were babies, human beings. And yet, we want to throw off any understanding of that. We, we want to we disregard settled science. We want to remove that and, and take our intellect and remove it and enforce our will. And we say that that child, and and by the way, this is not condemnation. Everyone in the room has been affected by abortion. Everyone. Our family, your family, everybody. This is the day day and age in which we live. I'm not here to condemn. We come to gain understanding. And so when we remove the intellect from the will, and we say freedom, freedom is no restraints. Who are you to tell me what I can do with my body? This thing must be removed. And so a culture no longer values and it's no longer a safe place for a child. 16% of the population of America is African American, black. Yet 36% of all abortions are blacks. There's more abortions in New York City than there are live births. You want to talk about Black Lives Matter? Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. She wanted to remove the inferior races. They have the Maggie Awards every year. Just you Google it. If you're anything but white in this room, you're a target, and are your children, and in the inner cities, and yet you remove the intellect from the will, and when you remove the intellect from the will, I enforce my will upon you regardless of what the settled science is. You see, our founding father said we hold these truths, natural and revealed truth, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That's a Jeffersonian way of saying any idiot can understand this. (laughs) That all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights among those being life, liberty, and the pursuit of virtue or happiness. And for this purpose, governments were instituted among men for the protection of those inalienable rights. And yet we remove, and, and a circuit court judge in California declares the Pledge of Allegiance to be unconstitutional because it says one nation under God. Our founding fathers gave us a, 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 a republic, a representative republic. And they, they said, in this constitutional republic, they began with the words, we the people, which means the power is vested in us. Accountable to God, we the people. And then we give on loan power to our representatives. And the very first thing they did, realizing we giving power on loan, they're going to want to take it all. And so they gave us the Bill of Rights in the First Amendment, which says... We have the freedom of the press and the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech and the freedom to peaceably assemble for a right of redress of grievances against the government. What they were saying is, we need you to protect us from our representatives, the the press and the pulpit, to hold them accountable to truth. Well, the press is owned and the pulpits are silent. And this is not a place that people feel this should be discussed. Well, if not here, then where? Where? And as we look at this, our representatives understood that these were inalienable rights endowed by our Creator. These truths are self-evident, natural and revealed law. Now, law. Law is restraint by nature. 55 miles an hour. 65 miles an hour. You go over it, you get a ticket. I didn't see the sign. It doesn't matter. You may have broken the law on your way here. That's a restraint. You're not allowed to go faster than 65. You do, you get a ticket. There's a penalty. Well, who are you to tell me what I can do with my car? Who are you to tell me what I can do with my body? Law is restraint. Liberalism or progressivism is this idea that we want liberty without restraint. We want to be liberated from restraint. We think that liberty is the freedom from restraint. Yet the scriptures declare that true liberty and freedom comes with restraint. Now this is baffling in our day and age of progressive relative moralism. Love wins. You know, that's a brilliant argument that has, has transformed our culture, that was once a Christian in its mindset, and now you hold this idea that, that homosexual marriage is against God's law you hold that abortion is against God's law and you are labeled a bigot or a racist love wins bigot and as I think of these things they they were brilliant in the way and and it it was it was directed this way they knew how to play us the people of the nations and the people plot a vain thing. The kings and the, of the earth set themselves and the rulers, the religious leaders, take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed, saying, we're going to break their bonds, their restraints, and cast those cords away from us. Who are you to tell me what I can do? This is my freedom. And so the idea of law has changed. It's not the wise restraints that make men free anymore. Freedom to the world, and your education process, as most of you in the X and Y generation, the millennials, have all been educated in evolution. You don't believe that God created. Maybe you do, but you weren't educated in such. That had to step away from your public school education. And and the idea that I'm accountable to to, to a creator, and I'm a created being accountable to a creator, frustrates us. And that that creator would establish us with moral and revealed truths. Revealed law. Natural law. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. That's gravity. That is an established law of nature. And you can say with the force of your will and the absence of your intellect that it doesn't exist. And you run off a cliff, you die. But with the absolute will, you remove... You, You take the call no you 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 remove the intellect and and you say you say I don't need you to tell me what is right and wrong I don't want your restraints and so we come to a place of moral relativism and then licentiousness invades our culture and liberty ends you say liberty ends yes it ends we have more laws on the books today to govern men and it doesn't work They can take away your guns. And you think about that. Guns don't kill, people do. If guns killed, how do people get out of a gun show alive? (laughs) Do we remove all vans because of, of the destruction that happened in Nice, France, with the ISIS terrorists who mowed all those people down in a van? Do we remove machetes or knives? Now, granted, there are many things we can do that are feasible and wise, but you you can't create law to change the heart. And these laws, ultimately, if you want freedom from restraint, you're going down a road of anarchy. The people that protested in Orlando were protesting us, they weren't down at the mosque. They weren't in the 1040 window of of the Islamic world where they're throwing homosexuals off of balconies. We're an easy target. We're people of peace. And it's easy to pick on us. And it's easy for us to back off and change. And change the word of God to acquiesce to their demands. But brave is the man or the woman who stands upon these revealed truths. And to understand that the law is not the absence of restraint. That's not freedom. The scriptures and our founders understood that the law brought public virtue. Liberty brings public virtue, it brings the greater good of, of the society. Virtue, morality, and liberty are a triangle that work together. Without virtue, truth, there's no morality. Without morality, there's no liberty. You see, it used to be that when we were accountable to God, you had more freedoms. This nation that represents three percent of the Earth's population is responsible for more of the greatest achievements and the, the accumulation of wealth than any nation on the face of the Earth because we had the greatest amount of freedom and liberty. I remember you used to be able to walk onto an airplane. I had a buck knife with me. I remember bringing a twenty-two rifle to school. I remember praying with lawn darts, <laughs> riding mini bikes now you can't get on a bicycle without a helmet and every law is created to restrain in some capacity and some are good laws, some are bad but the idea is our nation is losing its liberty you can't go into an agreement with a handshake the amount of laws that our our legislature puts out trying to, to somehow bring morality to a society that wants to throw off restraints and ultimately those laws will remove someone else's rights And here we have Senator Clinton who says, you have religious liberty as long as it doesn't invade the human rights that are established by the world court. Well, if God establishes these inalienable rights and man overrides them, then who makes the laws in the absence of God those in power? And so you're shut down. The world looks at law that the will stands above what the intellect knows to be true. A man and a man are not what God designed. The sexual act between a man and a man is medically unhealthy. Some of you struggle over this. You can do your own research. The idea of a child in the womb And you remove this intellect to embrace your will, that your will would stand above your intellect. And you remove the idea of these truths. You want to be free from natural and revealed truth. And to be free from natural and revealed truth means you need to be free from God. And so the nations will counsel together with the rulers and the kings of the earth to break off these restraints. Who are you to tell me what I can do with my life? And God sits in heaven and he laughs. You won't win. I take no delight in the death of the wicked. God says, "God is patient and long-suffering, wanting that none would perish but all would be saved." And you war against Him, and He's patient, waiting for you to understand the foolishness of your ways. To declare that, that He doesn't exist, and coming up with some cockamamie idea of evolution by adding billions of years—it's contrary to the second law of thermodynamics—that everything reduces to its least common denominator. And yet, you're saying you're evolving. And there's no transitional creatures. We've never seen any. You add billions of years to it. I mean, it's just the insanity of it. Just to remove a creator, to remove design, and the heavens themselves, and the delicateness of the balance in which we we rest 5% closer to the sun, we burn to death 5% further away, we freeze to death. An asteroid can hit us and we're obliterated. And they're passing through space rapidly. And we've got this idea to shoot them with nuclear missiles. Yet many have passed, we didn't even know they went by. Great plan, we just never know it happens. (laughs) You want to be freed from natural and revealed truth, which means you want to be freed from God. You want to throw off those restraints. And that's where we are today. This passage speaks to our day and age. But true freedom is the fruit of excellence. A person becomes freer... As they choose virtue in life, goodness. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's exclusive. I and no other. It it frustrates. He says, I'm the only way, the only truth, the only life. And to make this declaration and to stand upon it with a word that has lasted for thousands of years, the attempt to destroy it, and people have gone for, for millennia to try to destroy it. You think of, of, of this idea of man coming against God. Where is Pharaoh today? Where is Nebuchadnezzar today? Where is Belshazzar? Where is Artaxerxes? Where is Cyrus? Where is Caesar Nero? Where is Hitler? Where is Stalin? Marx? Mao? Saddam Hussein? Osama bin Laden? Where are they? They're in the dust pile of vain things, empty. And the church is still here. The Jews are still here. Every one of these cultures has tried to annihilate them. You don't win. God is in derision. He's in in laughter. He's just, it's like, really? And and you're going to join together? We're going to amass in Megiddo and then one final attack upon God. The Bible says He holds the heavens in the span of His hand. You just come to the Milky Way galaxy in the span of that. You come to the, the solar system. You come to the earth. You go to the Middle East.
1: You go there to Israel.
0: You go to the Megiddo Valley. You go there people are going to go,
1: ah! You to.
0: Just really, you you, you really, and he—he's in heaven, and he thinks of this. You—you—you deny a God who has come to save you, and to give you life and life more abundant. He sends witnesses to to every wayward dictator and leader. To the Pharaoh, he sent Joseph. He sent Moses to 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 Saul when he was wayward. He sent Samuel to. To David, when he was wayward, he sent Nathan. To Nebuchadnezzar, he sent Daniel. To rulers, ever since Winston Churchill, he sent Billy Graham. I remember we hosted a Billy Graham crusade in San Jose, one of the last that he did. I remember the director of that said to us, as he was talking, he said, you know, one of the amazing things, ever since Winston Churchill, when, when Billy Graham is alone with these world leaders, they always seem to ask him about Jesus' second coming. You know why? Because they sit upon the leadership of the world and they realize how frail it is they know this is wrapping up and each one is wondering and yet these four voices the first is is the world raging against God and God looks and says no they want to throw off the restraints a person as I said earlier becomes freer as they choose virtue in life and freedom is not listen freedom is not indifference to the good or rebellion to God freedom is embracing good and embracing God you say well how do I obtain freedom by embracing God's restraints what happens is in the moral life you realize that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing you say God help me He comes into your life and he makes you a new creature in Christ. And that which God has begun, he's faithful to complete. And all of a sudden your mind changes towards the things of the world and you embrace these natural and revealed truths. You embrace his word, which is true. And you start to understand the order that God has designed and you live according to that. And God changes you. He takes a man like me who was the most vile and and still without the Lord I am. And he makes me a husband of 26 years and a father of five. My children love me. I know me before the Lord, that that would have never have happened. Who wants the restraints of family? These kids are expensive. (laughs) Do do you realize how many vacations my wife and I could have gone on without these children? And and why a wife? Really, why a wife? Honey, it's... (laughs) it's all about me I don't need the burden and yet what happens to a culture we don't build families we don't build society because it's all about me and who are you to tell me what I can and can't do you see freedom comes by restraint in this restraint for the pursuit of good creates excellence Peyton Manning can enjoy and has a greater abundance of life in the football world because he has applied restraint. He can enjoy that better than I can because he has pursued excellence by applying restraint. He doesn't spend time in the mall or in front of the idiot box. He's out passing the ball and practicing and applying restraints and getting up earlier and doing what's necessary. The same is applied to the moral life. First you begin and you start to say, this is wrong. And you say, God, help me. And you repent and you turn from it. And you embrace these things. And you walk in the way in which he's called you. And his word is a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. And you turn around one day after having walked with the Lord in restraint and embracing virtue and, and restraining from evil and embracing virtue by the power of God. You turn behind you and you've built something over 15 years that people celebrate. That was shocking to me. I was the most amazed on, on Friday night than any of you. Who am I and why are you here? And all I could say is it's God. Every day, the mundane of applying restraint towards evil and embracing good, and you turn around and realize how a community has been touched. And all I could say was, God, that's all you. You go from being a chooser where I want freedom to be able to choose and do what I want to do. You go from being a chooser to an achiever. That's the power of restraint. But we come to this place where God is in derision and he's ridiculed by the world, but he looks at them in mockery almost. And he says to them, and he says, God who speaks in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. And he shall speak to them in his wrath. And he says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You think about that. He says, I will give you the nations for your inheritance if you embrace my son, the ends of the earth for your possession. For those of you who want to throw off God's restraints and avoid, by the act of your will, his revealed truth and put aside your intellect and to say that true freedom is the absence of restraint. Your life is self-consumed and selfish. And the only thing you can do in life to find purpose is to destroy that which others is building. Any donkey can knock down a barn door. Only a carpenter who has applied his trade through restraint and going to work every day can build a barn door. Any jackass can knock one down. <whistles> huh. Right? So it's easy to destroy foundations and boundaries and think yourself strong and to think yourself somehow accomplishing. But before you destroy the boundary, you might want to ask why it was there and who put it there. And as SB 1146 almost passed the legislature and these Christian colleges would have been shut down, we did dodge a bullet. We did dodge a bullet, but it'll come back. It'll come back. This election, trust me, it will come back. The nations are raging. There is a different application of the law. Jesus, as he says, on my holy hill I have set my king. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus, as the Father says, is the way, the truth, and the life. He is my son. And there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved, Acts 4. That's where the apostles had quoted earlier this passage of Scripture. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. John 14 is where we saw Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. He is the lawgiver, He's the standard, He is the fulfillment of the law. And the Holy Spirit gives explanation as to how this works. And He says, Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. The Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It says that in Proverbs. You throw off the scriptures and there's no desire for grandkids or kids. They're expensive. You're living for yourself. Thank God your parents didn't. Think about that. Well, I'm just waiting for them to die and then I'm going to take their money and travel the world. Have fun. Get it all in. Because it's appointed once for a man to die, then judgment. You'll stand before the God that you declare doesn't exist. As you've removed your intellect and embraced your will. And your will is all about you. And yet, for those of us who have applied restraint to evil and embrace good for the sake of excellence, you know what God has given us? An inheritance. Why in the world would I endeavor in politics as a conservative in California? That's insane. I'll tell you why. I'm looking at my grandson, Oliver, and the grandchildren to come and saying, what must I do in restraining myself to prepare an inheritance for their generation?" What does Thousand dogs have to look like that they can have viable employment, be able to worship their God and raise their children? Then I must engage. I must. It's not easy. Between now and and the election in November, we will travel every single week to another state. I will be back for Sundays, I will be at the council meetings on Tuesdays, and I will be in some state in in, in the Union doing an American Renewal Project. Why? Why? because I'm concerned for my grandchildren that's restraint towards evil to embrace excellence for their future but if it's just about you put away your intellect and forget about the future why bother eat drink and be merry for tomorrow you die you leave nothing You have no inheritance. There's no nation of inheritance for you. All of these nations that raged against God are gone. The church is still here. You rage all you want, you will lose. And God says the ends of the earth are your possession. And God says you will break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The Jews are still here. And every nation that's tried to destroy them is gone. Hamas and ISIS will soon be removed. Not by me, not by our nation. Maybe, I don't know, but by the will of God. God says, Now, therefore, understanding all of this, the sovereign hand of God, the restraints that make men free, the wise restraints that make men free, understanding this, that there is a God, we're accountable to him, we apply restraint to evil and embrace good so that we are achievers, not just choosers. And we watch as we build instead of destroy. God says, now therefore be wise, O kings. Be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, respect, and rejoice with trembling, knowing that you will die and give an accounting of your life and stand before him of the people you were entrusted to care for as you pursued virtue and goodness in the community in which you've been placed and kiss the son, lest he be angry. That means you have to have a, a relationship with the living God, Jesus Christ. He is your savior. That's intimacy. You must be face to face. A kiss is intimate. And if you kiss the son, he won't be angry with you, but if you don't, you perish in the way. You will face God in your own supposed righteousness. Righteousness. We say, I don't believe in sin. Does that mean there's no right or wrong? Sin is missing the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none perfect. No, not one. But you just move the standard. I can be whatever I want. It's moral relativism. No. No, there's absolutes. We're governed by them. You can throw off your intellect and embrace your will and say it doesn't exist. And love wins. Bigot. L- let me share with you the idea of love wins. This is... This is a, An article I you can pull it up New Mexico we ended up kissing and led to other things mother 36 son 19 who fell in love when they met last year after she gave him up for adoption as a baby say they'll go to jail to defend their relationship Monica Mars 36 and her son Caleb Peterson 19 of Clovis New Mexico face up to 18 months in prison if found guilty of incest the couple said that they are willing to risk everything to be together They've decided to go to public with their affair in a bid to raise awareness of genetic sexual attraction, GSA relationships. Mars, a mother of nine, gave birth to Peterson when she was 16 years old and he was adopted shortly thereafter. They were reunited for the first time last year after reconnecting over Facebook. The couple who lived separately in Clovis, New Mexico, developed feelings for each other and the relationship became sexual a few weeks later. But they are banned from having any contact with each other by the courts. And this will probably reach the Supreme Court. And they will probably win because love wins, bigot. Who are you to tell me what I can do and can't do? Love wins. And the brilliance of this in the LGBTQ community, the brilliance of it, so smart. Focus groups, long interviews, trial messaging prove that the journey story showing how someone's opinion changed, resonated with conflicted voters. The best messengers, straight parents, and grandparents of gay people who had long, happy marriages wanted something like the same for their LGBTQ kids and grandkids. It was an aha moment, they said. The movement went back to the drawing board. And the other funders made sure resources were available for in depth research and focus groups and ad testing. And hundreds of thousands of dollars later, the movement had an aha moment. The research showed the key message had to change from rights and benefits to love and commitment. Love wins. And all you need is stories because we don't have to hit the intellect, just the heart. And now, how far does it go? We say well it wouldn't go this far Well it is Do we give this family This mother and her son The right to have an incestual relationship In our culture Genetically speaking You you can do the math But you can throw away the intellect And embrace the will I want what I want And you can't stop me Forgive me for my glasses This is the first time in my life this, the font is like three-point. <laughs> the day Bailey Acosta walked around the sunny campus of Biola University in La Mirada, California, she knew she had to apply. The school hadn't even been on her list of prospective colleges. It's not in the best area, and tuition fees alone cost 37000 per year. The only reason she was on campus tour was because her then-boyfriend had dragged her But as she walked around Biola's campus, something about the presence changed her mind. Somehow she felt that God was calling her to Biola. Acosta, ex-boyfriend, ended up Not choosing Biola, but Acosta applied and enrolled. However, Acosta did hesitate for a moment when she read the section in Biola's doctrinal statement on biblical marriage, which the school defines as faithful heterosexual union between one genetic male and one genetic female, and the only legitimate and acceptable context for a sexual relationship. Acosta, who by then had realized she felt attraction to females in a way she never did with her previous boyfriends, had one concern. Okay, even if they don't condone same-sex relationships, is this school somewhere I can at least talk about what I'm experiencing. Now a senior majoring in psychology, Acosta talked about her experiences on stage in Bible studies with staff and faculty during her second semester came out gay after Biola hosted panels of Christians such as Wesley Hill also struggling with same-sex attraction. Pre-Biola, Acosta had never met a fellow believer who struggled with the questions she had uh, and understood exactly how she feels. Over the last five years, Biola has worked to create an environment where students and faculty can examine what it means to be healthy, sexually faithful followers of Christ. Biola has maintained its biblical position on sexual relations, uh, proper only within marriage of one man and one woman. But instead of expelling Acosta for identifying as gay while sexually inactive, Biola invited her and other students to probe Questions about human sexuality, and the school hosted forums among Christians with contrasting viewpoints and developed a human sexuality task force. It's launching a program in which students discuss homosexuality with professors who adhere to biblical conviction. Of course, California Senate Bill almost changed all that. Senate Bill 1146 sought to narrow the exemption of religious colleges have from state non-discrimination policies even when those policies conflict with the school's religious beliefs had the bill passed in its previous version it would have taken away state funding and state student aid from religious colleges that adhere to the religious tenets such as determining student conduct codes and hiring faculty biola's legal counsel jerry mackey said that in his 30 years at biola he's never seen anything nearly as serious as this as far as the state trying to impose its moral code on religious institutions I want to share this last point. I don't want to take up too much time. One uh, point religious colleges have tried to make clear to California legislators is broader effects the unmodified SB 1146 would have had on the entire operation and nature of the school. It's tightening of advice. Biola President Barry Corey said it feels like the government is reaching into the affairs of faith-based institutions, picking and choosing what they like and don't like. But to say this part is okay and that part isn't okay, that's just not how we roll. We are fundamentally and profoundly religious. And it goes on to talk about Acosta, how she says herself that she would have never understood God's perspective had she not had the freedom to attend a university that taught that. And it so profoundly touched her that she wants to be a psychologist and give back to the school that changed her life. But that's the intellect. Love wins, bigot. We must kiss the son lest he be angry and we perish in the way when his wrath is kindled, but a little blessed are those who put their trust in him. I close with this. I I don't have time to show the video, but I, I close with this. God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. And we're all wicked apart from the Lord. All have sinned. My sin isn't any worse than yours and it isn't any greater than yours. Yes, the church is focused on homosexuality because it's easy. We don't talk about fornication as much as we talk about homosexuality. We don't talk about adultery as much as we talk about homosexuality. Yes, we have have failed in many components of that. But it doesn't stop the fact that God has applied restraints towards evil that we would embrace good. I am naturally inclined. I am naturally inclined to not be faithful. That's That's my nature. I have applied restraints and now God has blessed me for 26 years, five children and a family that has blessed you, I pray. And that's because of Jesus. He changed my life. He's come that you might have life and life more abundant, achievement of excellence. He wants to give that to you that you have an inheritance to give to those that you don't even know are coming down the line. But you can throw that off and just embrace your will. And you can destroy and be a donkey. Or you can be a child of the living God. He says, Come to me, all oh, you are burdened and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. It's hard to keep those plates spinning. God wants to set you free. Listen, He catches His fish before He cleans them. Don't worry about your life, He'll fix that. He did that piece by piece. And He's in no hurry. He's patient, and he's loving. He's gracious, and he's merciful. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your tongue that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you will be saved. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved.